Hey, it's David, and you're listening to the Tone Bass Classical Guitar Podcast. Really excited to finally be putting out part two of this episode with Benjamin Verdery. Part one released back in May. I had a wonderful interview with Verdery in March, and there was just so much great material and information that I really wanted to break this up into two episodes. So if you haven't checked out part one, I highly encourage you to go on over there, but you don't necessarily need to listen uh, to these episodes in order. If you're not a member of Tonebase still, and you enjoy this interview that you're about to hear, I also highly encourage you to head on over to Tonebase.co and use the promo code PODCAST-3 to get $15 off of your subscription. And then you can observe lessons from the greats, including Maestro Verdry. Last episode with Ben focused more on some of his uh, recent collaborations with the American beatboxing champion Mark Martin and their wonderful composition from Aristotle. And speaking of which, Ben wanted me to mention uh, for this episode that he does have an upcoming CD that will be released soon, titled Scenes from Ellis Island on the label New Focus. And among the tracks that are going to be on this record from Aristotle will be one of them. And he's finally recorded a version of Ellis for 12 guitars. And he split the recording duties with his former student and colleague, Simon Powis. So keep your eyes out on that record. It's going to be a fun one for sure. Today's episode with Ben focuses a bit more on his teaching. He's just celebrated his 20th anniversary running the Maui Masterclass over in Hawaii. And he's also the renowned professor of classical guitar at the Yale School of Music. He also spoke about his work running the 92nd Y Classical Guitar Series. And we talked about a wonderful book that has been released about a year ago now that was uh, put out by Thomas Donahue, and it's titled Benjamin Verity, A Montage of a Classical Guitarist. And it's a really fun read, and there's many contributions from the greats of the classical guitar world. Let's go ahead and listen to some music. I've got a sneak peek from the scenes from Ellis Island recording. This is an extraordinary work, 12 guitars, cello, and vocals. It is definitely a treat to listen to. I hope you enjoy.
So speaking of Hawaii, you are now in your going into your 20th 20. anniversary for the Hawaii Masterclass. Incredible! 20 years of doing that class. We filmed a little documentary. We have to put it together about the class, just for basically for those who went and just to yeah. But it started just because um, it was sort of really inspired by Paco Pena and and being uh, teaching. I taught in Cordoba as John Williams' assistant for a few years uh, at Paco Pena's International Festival in Cordoba, which is why one of the reasons the piece means so much to me. But yeah. um, that festival that Paco ran with Karen, his wife, completely changed my life in a number of ways. Obviously, one musical and being, you know, but personally, too, you know. It's funny. Andy York and I had this great talk about Cordoba and how the city really affected us. It was really, that's another discussion. But okay, so so we when that finished and I stopped teaching there, we sort of said, well, what if I had a master class on my favorite place in the world? What if it was in Maui? And um, okay, so we start, originally it started for the first two years. It was with my friend who was in my band, Euphonia, genius musician, Keith Underwood. He was is this total guru for flute players. So many flute players love to study with him for great reasons. He's just brilliant on so many levels. So we sort of had this idea, well, we'll, we'll do this flute and guitar masterclass together. So, and that was at a school called the Seabury School, which is still there, which by the way, Jimi Hendrix in uh, the Rainbow Bridge is this movie of Jimi Hendrix, which is filmed right, well, actually in that school, but also right next door. I mean, he oh, played okay. in, the, in the fields literally across the way. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it's very cool. So anyway, so we started, we did the flute and guitar class and I had about four students. One of the I think, first class, and Scott Morris was there and Bryce Desner was originally in, in uh, first couple of classes. And it was great, but then we realized after two years, I think that our guitar guys weren't so, we weren't so choked up. We had to have meals and it was all planned. So we decided to move to the beach, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then we moved down the beach and then it'd be, you know, we still do some things with the flutist, but not really, it became more of just full on guitar. And it's been just one of those uh, life-altering things with friendships and students from all over the world have been there and, and a lot of young people because uh, Scott Camille's is just geez, genius guitar teacher in San Francisco Conservatory. Does he say a lot of his students? And yeah, a lot of okay. Scott's students and, and people have gone on to go to Yale. And, so, and then about six years ago, um, my wife decided that she was not, because she did everything. She ran the whole, you know, and that's why I mentioned Paco and Karen, because it was really a husband and wife. We did this with spit and scotch tape, man. It was not like, and I could just earn enough money to bring my family over because we have we have relatives, you know, in Honolulu. So we have a whole Hawaiian kind of family. That's because my mother-in-law is from Honolulu. I'm oh, pointing, okay. I'm pointing because she's over there. And um, so that was the idea. Like, look, we'll just... Um, We'll do this class and we'll just get to hang with his cousins. And so although in the early days, I mean, for 12 years, I did all the teaching all day and I was just dead, you know, yeah. like literally dead. You couldn't, I had a hoarse voice because I, the ensemble. And then we had some really great, um, you know, people come up and say, well, you know, because my wife said, look, I, I really want to stop doing the class. And she, she had been missing a lot of work and the children were older. And it was just sort of like, um, she was getting a lot of work, um, with the, the, the um, American Symphony Orchestra in the summer, the same time the class would so sort of, and so I just, I couldn't find a replacement for my wife. She, you know, did everything, right? Yeah. So it was like, couldn't find a replacement, but you know, yet the, the, she was doing it for free. So there was, we could, I couldn't afford it. It was like, look, because uh, we always try to keep the cost, there's no way I could do this. So then we got these benefactors just came up and said, you know, we'd like to help with the class. Hmm. 
And they helped us so much that I could afford to pay somebody who's this guy, John Olson, who's a brilliant, fr dear friend of mine, guitarist, scientist. He's the head of the New York Classical Guitar Society. Oh, okay. And, cool. I, and I asked him because we were sitting in this room with my wife and his, she says, well, ask the busiest guy you know. And I said, well, John would be the best, but he's not going to do it. He's too busy. And, and it's that thing. So I'm going way too long on all this, but, but to, only to say, you know, that allowed, these benefactors allowed us to bring a guest. Yeah. So the last six years, there have been guests there and... Um, that's been a total joy. Yeah. You know, so Scott and Fred Hand and John Dearman and David Leisner, of course. And that's been really fun to have a guest there. Well, first of all, not to do everything myself. I'm too old for that, you know, now. So it's just too exhausting. And then we have Ian O'Sullivan, who's who actually was in the class, went to, because of the class, went to Yale. Now one of his students went to the class and one of his students is at Yale. This is, oh, Ian, Ian's from Oahu, you know, it's from Oahu. So, so we've had always representing Hawaiian music and Hawaiian, you know, yeah. trying to always have a scholarship for what. Yeah, just a total, you know, total joy. You know, the people that helped, the benefactors who, who want to be anonymous, man, I just can't thank them enough. Yeah. I, mean, I, I thank them over and over and it's almost like, the, you know, the, okay, enough already. Yeah. You know, and now um, some new benefactors have moved, to, uh, are helping out. So I don't know what the future is for me, but but yeah, 20 years is not nothing. You know, it's like, yeah. it's, it really feels like a it's great. It's amazing. But, you know, I've been 34 years at Yale. I mean, I'm an old dude now, you know. It's like yeah, 34 years. That's yeah, amazing. at Yale, I've been at Yale for 34 years, yeah. Elliot changed my life. I mean, without Elliot, I guess I owe him everything, sort of. The Yale job was just, I was doing like, so many people do. I was taking three different, I was teaching at SUNY Purchase, a little bit of Manhattan School of Music, at Mercy College. I was teaching in a women's prison. I, um, oh, wow. I taught a course on the history of rock and roll for women's prison. We were living on 72nd Street, right above Tom Humphrey. Tom Humphrey was, that was like the, the center, epicenter yeah. of, of New York guitar at that time. You know, in the, in the early 80s and late 70s. And out of nowhere, actually, Manhattan School of Music just said, oh, we're, you know, we're not going to continue you to, I was teaching coaching chamber music and we're not going to, you know, you're going to continue doing that. And I was kind of bummed. It was like, cause that was, that was a nice job. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. I think I, I remember coaching Don Upshaw, if you can believe that. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Don, I said Don, but Don. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so I was like bummed out. I was like, ah, oh, that's a drag, you know? And then like the next day I get this call from Yale saying, well, we would like you to come and audition and take an interview. Elliot Fisk recommended you to see if you'll fill in for him. Because um, he started the department. Then a guy named um, Bob Guthrie, Robert Guthrie, would come up from Texas. And I think he did that for, I'm guessing, maybe four years, okay. two to four years. And he didn't want to do that schlep anymore. And so they had this group of guitarists that were feeling, you know, that they needed regular lessons. And yeah, everything. yeah. And... Um, I don't know, my Bach record had been out and caused, a, you know, I had just enough of a name, you know, doing the path that we all did then, you know, play New York debut, play in London. I don't think I played with John Williams by then, but, but you know, making my way as a young guy, because I was 30, 35, 35, I think, when I got hell. I don't know, I can't count, but something like 35. I don't think I was 30. I just went for an interview and Mark Teicholz and, and Peter Argenditsa and Richard Goring, they were the first students and it was just year by year. Like every contract was a year forever. Hmm. And then it became, after 10 years or 12 years, it became a three-year contract or not even, maybe 15. When it was a long time where every year I would submit my papers and programs and records and 
and they just got rehired. But Elliot was, you know, he was, it was all yeah. due to Elliot. So it became a really um, hugely important part of my life. Yeah. You know, so. And uh, you've had some amazing students coming through. We've had Mark Teicholtz on the show. I, I didn't realize he was a student of yours. Well, you know, um, I don't know what you do. You don't really teach Mark Teicholtz. You know what I mean? I mean, he, and it was one year he'd come in and play the Aaron Wiz concerto perfectly. And then I would look at him and go like, well, I don't know what you want. I don't know which one you say, you know. Let's go get coffee. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm really blessed to teach there. It's There's so much I could say about Yale that's been so positive and so many students that that, that taught me so much. I mean, I, I, I learned so much from my students. Yeah, and teaching is just, a, it, you're always at the foot of the mountain, you know. It's always, a, you, you when you think, when I think that I've really learned how to teach, then I go, I don't know. You know, there's always so much more to learn about how to communicate ideas and understand who the person is across from you. Cause what we do is so personal, you know? Yeah. And realizing that every body physically is different. So dealing with their physical, but also their dreams and now and, and watching the scene change, you know, watching the classical guitarist scene change so much. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, so I think I've learned, I like to think I'm a little bit more flexible as a teacher and less rigid. And, um, but you'd have to ask my students, you know, but no, I, I'm I'm really thrilled with the the amount of students that have become close friends is really yeah gorgeous. You know, like your tone bass guys and yeah, I really love this. You know, my students are really really love so many of the, all of them. But I mean, you know, some of them really develop serious relationships. You know? Yeah, Simon Powis and real bros. You know, yeah. Um, obviously, going back, you know, I mean, one guy that that um, became extraordinarily close to me. That, that I mentioned in the book is um, one of my favorite musicians is Bryce Desner, mm -hmm. who wrote me um, just recently, which I'd love to, t you know, wrote the most extraordinary guitar quintet, which I premiered last May. It's called Music for High Strings. You know, Bryce was just one of those students that you just knew that you'd be friends with the minute, you know, because you're sharing music. I think that's the the relationship that's so extraordinary with student teachers that we all, we have so much in common. You yeah. know, we both love the guitar. We love guitar music. So right there, you're off to a, a, a you know, a wild start. You know what I mean? And um, so with Bryce and, and many others, you know, the minute, and I think if, in my case, Bryce, you know, really liked my music and, and but, but, but we also liked bands and we talk about bands and because and, and, I grew up in, in a rock and roll background. So there was that. And he was always writing music and writing songs with his brother. So for those of you that may not know who Bryce Desner is, he's, a, you know, very sought out, one of a world renowned composer now, but also in this great rock and roll band called The, uh, the National. And I actually love the national. I mean, I seriously love the band. It's nothing like if Bryce, if I didn't know Bryce, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. I actually, I just adore their music. That all came through Yale. You know what I mean? Like yeah. those relationships are tone-based guys. Or as I did Simon, and now you know m this new generation of guys. You know. Yeah, yeah. So it's been you know really edifying, and and um, yeah, I feel very blessed. I mean, I can't. You know, there was a guy on Saturday Night Live called. Uh, Morris, Garrett Morris, the first season of SNL. And he used to do this, I guess he was imitating some baseball player. And he said, baseball been very good to me. So Yale, Yale been very good to me. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of this book, it's, uh, when was it released? Oh, the About book. 
a couple the of book, months ago. Now, the book is just nutty. It's not a book like the great David Leisner's. You know, there's, it's, it's this wacky, which, by the way, I think everybody has to buy David Leisner's book. I'm very serious. Yeah. It's just the most important book to come out on guitar playing I've seen in a long time. And I, I'm just telling my students, you, you, you don't have it. You have to own this. Yeah. You know, just read it. You think you know this stuff, but you don't, because we have so many injuries, you know, in the classical guitar. It's shameful. Um, yeah. So he's really in a unique position of having been through it and gotten out the other. I mean, it's an unbelievable story. Mm -hmm. But again, that's all Maui related. The book happened because this guy named Tom um, Donahue, Thomas Donahue, his, he was a, Tom is, is a dentist, but also studied music, plays harpsichord in Oregon really well, like a bit of a scholar. Mm. And he also writes books and he's written books about musicians. And he first approached, and, and he, I don't even know how to, I should know, but for some, Tom decided he's going to come to the Maui class, maybe because he was writing a book on my, one of my mentors, um, Anthony Newman, the harpsichord and organist Bach scholar. Mm -hmm. And um, he asked me to contribute some, you know, a, a paragraph, you know, a little, a little, not a paragraph, but a little essay on Tony Newman, because, you know, he's such a big deal in my life. And so I did that. So after years, and so then... Tom showed up at the Maui class and he would just sit there as an auditor. But but he'd be great. Anything with Bach related keyboard music, we would always turn to him. And then little by little, you know, we became really good friends and his wife is hilarious. And, and, and we all started to, you know, hang out in Maui. And he, he started to, to do some of the, he played keyboards and certain things and certain pieces like ensemble pieces. And then John um, Olson and he would start playing duos. They started playing like, organ and guitar duos, you know, as part of the class. And then he just said to me, if you, I want to write a book, I do these books and I want to write, do one on you, which is sort of a festrif, I think they're called. It's sort of a tribute book. I've been 30 years at Yale. And um, he asked a bunch of my friends if they would, I uh, would write a bit about me. And he asked me for a list. And I gave him a very short list. I told him, listen, I'll contribute articles about performing, teaching, composing and recording. And then I just forgot about it, you know, but Tom has a real, and it's a real company and he had a real deadline and he would tell me like, well, you know, so-and-so is writing and I, I, I tell you, so I started, I said, well, why did you agree to this thing? I said, well, maybe it's just your ego. You know, somebody says you want to write a book and you sort of, you get stroked. You think, oh, that's kind of cool. But I like the idea of actually writing about these things for a formal book. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the part about like people writing about me got really uncomfortable and just weird. And I, I said, look, I'm not, I don't want to read any of these things. And, you know, and, he, and then he started going outside about and asking all these people that I didn't, I think the original people were like, you know, Fred Hand and et cetera. It's, you know, people, David Leiser, people, there's a certain short list that I knew that should be there. But I, I didn't really think about it. Elliot, I think, was in there first. And then Elliot calls me and he says, look, I'm doing this thing. And now I know that the time is, the deadline's approaching. And I haven't written a word, man, like not a word. And Elliot says, I said, I'm not doing that, Elliot. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not reading it. So he, he yells at me and he's very, you know, very good at doing, and, and uh, not <laughs> yelling, but he's just very funny. He says, oh, shut up. Stop being a stubborn ass. And you, you know, just listen. I want to get the facts right. And we had this fantastic conversation. And then... After I hung up the phone with him, see, I was thinking, who gives a poop 
because I'm a classical musician, I wouldn't say the S word. Who gives a little poop about a book about me, right? Like, who cares? You know, it's like I, I could name, you know, David Rusty's. Uh, it's a very low self-esteem. So um, is this therapy? No, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it can be. It can be, right. So anyway, so I don't, I don't want to deal with this. And then when I got off the phone with Elliot, I thought, wait a minute. Maybe this little book could be valuable. Because I am a bit of a history buff, like I am a I am a guitar geek. Like I love reading about Giuliani. I mean, mm-hmm. I play all his pieces, but I love Thomas Heck and all these guys that write Richard Savino. I really do. I, I find it endlessly interesting to read about musicians' lives, you know, because yeah. that's what we do. We're we're all connected to these guys. So I thought, well, maybe some guy, some kid, you know, college student, fifty years from now, will, this book will be somewhere, and he'll he or she will get a snapshot of New York City guitar scene at a certain time. You know, because the Assads and I, you know, we, Sergio's, Sergio, Fred and Elliot's piece, because I know them the longest. So they really do paint this picture of the scene in the 80s and 70s and hanging out of Tom Humphreys and, and what we were going through. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, so then my contribution, so it was obviously incredibly, so I didn't read any of this and it came, I think the book came out almost a year ago. It was really moving because yeah. I, I only read, I only knew Elliot's. I don't, I don't think I read any others. Maybe Bryce's at the last minute and Leo Brower, who was, you know, wrote the intro. But then I had to, I still was procrastinating. And then now, now we're on Maui and, and my friend Tom says, you know, you, 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 I have a real deadline. Like I have to have these articles. So now it's August and I'm talking to my friend Jackson Brader, who's my oldest friend. I've known him since he wrote a thing since I was three. Some of, some of the people in there are not guitar players. They've just known me forever. And um, Jackson, so I'm with Jackson. He's an actual writer. See, I can't write. So I look at Jackson. Says, well, I'm going to Honolulu tomorrow, man, and, or in two days, and I'm going to write these articles because i got nothing to do. And he looks at me and says, so, man, you think you can write the, an article about performing, composing, teaching, and recording in two weeks? Yeah! I have nothing else to do, Jack. I'm looking at him, right? Like, I'm looking at you. And he very, being him, just, uh-huh, okay. <laughs> so I get to Honolulu, and sure, man, I'm, I'm hitting it. It's like, I'm up, I'm like writing at six in the morning, because, you know, we have the time changes. Mm-hmm. OMG, man, at the end of the two, I wrote five hours a day. You know, the whole trip, going to the coffee shop, the whole thing, right? Man, I didn't get through. I didn't get that half of one. It was so difficult. Yeah. So I wrote from all, from basically August until the deadline, which was like right after Thanksgiving, all mm-hmm. the time. On planes, everything. I didn't stop. You know, I wish I had sort of an editor. I think some of it goes on and, you know, but, but what an education because it's really different than doing what we're doing now. Yeah. You know what I mean? An interview is, yeah, you say some things and you off the cuff, but to actually write it down and this is this is what I think about teaching. This is what I learned about composing. When it's going down on yeah, uh, pen and, it's, and paper. Yeah, so I pen, it doesn't matter who's going to read it, but you're really writing it and you're really writing your thoughts. Well, what is composing for me? What is performing? What does it mean? So, um, yeah, so that's the story. So it was really a task, but I'm happy I did it. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'd be thrilled if... If anybody enjoys or something out of the book, or you know, I mean, you know, you you know, you be the judge. But so, but but well, but, one of my favorite parts of it 
was uh, the opening. Well, after Brower's eloquent uh, introduction, right? I, I love the opening with uh, Sergio talking about the first time he met you at uh, Humphreys. Right. Twice. And just in case if our listeners don't know, uh, Humphrey was... Uh, Thomas Humphrey. Yeah. Thomas Humphrey. Very famous uh, guitar builder. Amazing yes. instrument. Sadly, passed away at an early age. Yes. Uh, who's... who's whose main invention is right right here, this elevated fingerboard. Tom oh, was, that was him? Yeah, Tom was the first to do that. And he I mean, was one not, of maybe, the... I mean, it, it was done ages ago, I think, to some degree, but but I think he's credited for that. And he was one of the... Was he one of the first uh, builders to use the lattice brace no. system? No, Tom okay. was not a lattice dude. Wait. That was, that oh, was a small one. That was a... But the millennia... He might or, have used it later, okay. so I should be corrected by that, but I don't believe that that, that was... That that wasn't his. Yeah, invention. it was gotcha. innovation. That was mostly small moment. Amazing builder. Yes, yeah. to say extraordinary. And Sergio talks about the first time he met you, and right. he was playing with his brother at Humphrey's shop. Did they used to play his instruments? Or absolutely. Okay. I mean, that was one of the bonding things. Yeah. I'll never forget hearing the Assads at Tom's. Tom says to me, "You got to come down right now, man." Yeah. So, you know, I come down, as I, as I was always, I was basically living at Tom's. You know, you're always there. And it was, like I said, it was the epicenter of the guitar world. Yeah. I think I talk about it in the book, but I, I never heard anything. Lo- so, so I come down the room, it's this little room, because Tom, we always met in his, oh, not an alcove, but, you know, you walk in and there's this kind of uh, octangle, octangular room, right? It's not square. And it, the guitar always sounded fantastic in there, which is where you always have you play the guitar in that room because everything sounded phenomenal. Yeah. So like, okay, so 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 I sit on the floor and these guys start playing Brower Micropiasis from memory. I don't know if they were doing Piazzolla. I don't think they were doing Piazzolla at that time. Uh, uh, maybe, I'm trying to think what other repertoire, whatever. And, you know, I never, I just, in my world, I, you know, I, the world turned upside down. I never saw anything like So inspirational. And then we went to the concert at the 92nd Street Y. And uh, my wife and I decided, you know, because when I started, I really thought I wanted to be just in a flute and guitar duo. I wasn't really sure I wanted to be a soloist. Yeah. Right? So I, I married this beautiful woman, incredibly gifted. And so we were going to do the flute and guitar. We wanted to be the Assads, basically. You know, after after seeing them, it was like, okay, we're going to do it. And we did our concert from memory. We did our flute and guitar concert from memory, completely influenced by the Assads. So they were tremendously influential in my life. And then Sergio and I, you know, bonded later. Um, but we had this mutual bond because of Tom, right? And Tom was a character. So we had a lot of, you know, times with him of discussing guitars and yelling and screaming and and uh, it was wonderful you know but yelling and screaming with tom about his guitars and tom saying you know you should play this guitar you know um no you know i can still have tom tom was great when you said no 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 ben no 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 he always start he always start with no 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 when we have <laughs> we have these arguments you know it's like tom this is good no 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 you don't understand but I, I, and then later in life i think sergio just has been great inspiration just in terms of his composing and the, the two of us writing, you know, mutually telling, talking about, hey, what what did you write? You know, like I send him Aristotle and, yeah. you know, that stuff. Just so fascinating hearing this story of you literally living a couple floors above or below Tom. And yeah. Then, and then seeing the Saj plane the first time. I mean, wow. That, well, literally that, off the yeah. plane. You know, yeah. you talk about, you know, off that, the boat. That was before their career really took off. Totally. But, yeah, I mean, totally. So. I mean, they, they were going to make their debut. That year, I mean, the minute they played at, at, at the exploded. Y, which was two, two nights later, or the, you know, 
It literally exploded. Yeah, the yeah. review was out, and then I think they had a record contract immediately. And yeah. They just kept playing everywhere, and everybody was the same reaction. You know, it's like, They're oh, amazing. my God. And you're the director now at uh, Yeah, I've been artistic director for, I don't know, six, seven, eight years or something. So that's been a great, another great blessing, you know, sort of my home away from home across town, you know, that way. Sorry, it's my lamppost. And... Um, yeah, there's just this great team there and they've allowed me to do certain things that I've really excited about, like the tribute concerts to Julian Bream tribute concert. I think it was the first with Bill Cannon, Geyser and Scott and Fred Hand and mm -hmm. David Leisner. And uh, I think that's a video up of, of that. And a Leo Brower tribute. Uh, and then the last um, a Segovia tribute as well. Um, I've enjoyed those. I've enjoyed bringing certain people to... to you know, the, they sort of don't need me to to hire David Russell, right? I mean, that's not, that's an obvious, you know, or Manuel or, or Elliot or, but, but to bring in the people that are lesser known, like the Vita Quartet or the Eden Stell duo yeah. that were lesser known to, our, to the New York City. And that's been a, a total joy, you know? And then the last marathon I did, that I got to curate. We've had other, you know, Sergio curated one, and Elliot curated one. Those are like two big concerts in one day. And I was really thrilled with the, the last one, which was just all arrangements. I wanted to make a statement about the fact that so much guitar music is our arrangements. Yeah. You know, as much as I play tons of new music, which I meant, you know, have done throughout my career, um, there, you know, we some of our, as we know, some of our most iconic pieces, you know, obviously Astorius, Leanda, that's what is, is that the number one piece in our repertoire or Granados number five? You know, I mean, those are not guitar pieces. So yep. I thought we'd start with that and go out and, you know, with, with, um, you know, hearing, hearing uh, the Vita Quartet play their incredible Rhapsody in Blue arrangement. It's a wonderful arrangement. Unbelievable, right? Yeah. And, uh, on and on, just the whole day, the Assads, you know, just every everybody contributing what they, mostly somewhat unusual, Jorge Caballero, of course, playing pictures. And I mean, just, you know, I wanted to show the gamut, including yeah. starting with Anna Vitovic, who started with Land. So how long did these marathon concerts last? Well, they would, they'd be like a, two, two concerts parts. in one day. Yeah. So you'd have an evening and an afternoon and an evening. And they're like two hour concerts? Yeah, now? they're sort of, okay. they're two, yeah. Yeah. So that, that, those kinds of being able to curate those things are really exciting. And that's, you know, um, and then doing the interviews have been, have been really fun. Yeah. You know, as you, and you do an interview at the beginning of, or I usually do an interview before each concert. Each concert yeah. yeah. Which I really appreciate the performers doing. Manuel's the only one who doesn't do them. And he's, he's really, he just played and we had a great time together. Really incredible concert. And he says, you know, I don't, I don't, well, I need Bill Kenneth guys to do his, his voice and I said man I'm the same way like I don't want to talk I would never do that yeah. and I finally did at my last concert last spring and, and then I, so I said man you're always getting everybody else to talk you should just eat it and, and do it so that was um, that was really interesting because I'm totally like have to be alone don't talk to me I'm in the dressing room you're like you know um, so I get that but it's been a joy to interview the first one was Paul Odette you know and then that was so fun and he was so great that that you know i think there's been two with david and and sergio and it's been a joy to do yeah. you know although sometimes and, and of course pepe romero's you know pepe you don't have to just you know just 
Given the oh, yeah, yeah, just go. This guy's <laughs> such a great storyteller. I, I love them, and they aren't the typical kind of program note style uh, pre-concert talk, you know, that, that you see at a lot of uh, symphonic concerts. I mean, those are interesting. Yeah, Don't right. I see wrong, what you mean. But I you kind of go I deeper. try to go, yeah, I try to go, well, one, what would interest me? So I, I start with questions that I think are interesting for me, but also general, but also a young person that's a high school student that's interested in classical guitar. You know, you have to kind of, and then like you, you and I were saying before this interview, things go where they go, right? I mean, they go, and that's exciting. You don't yeah. know where the person's going to go. The why, back to the arrangements, you know, that one of the things of the arrangements that, that I'm so excited about now, because I still love to arrange music, as we, I think most of us do, but I just arranged Leonard Bernstein's clarinet sonata for string quartet and guitar, and I'm going to premiere that in two weeks. Hmm. And I'm so excited because I have this new guitar by Gary Lee. How many frets is that? 24. And I get to use it. I get to use that high E in this clarinet. You don't have to use it, right? I've, I, I did the, the arrangement of the sonata prior to getting this guitar and I had no idea I was going to play but no the inspiration of this is you know Elliot Elliot I saw Elliot at 24 frets and I said damn I want 24 frets <laughs> so I just got this this guitar is like a, from Garrett Lee um, brand new um, two days ago three days ago oh it's a baby oh yeah and um, so the so but the Leonard Bernstein piece I I just got permission I, I don't know if it'll be able to be published yet but I created a kind of a chamber music piece because, you know, um, I later, just the other day, found out that Yo-Yo Ma arranged it, which, by the way, is, I worship Yo-Yo Ma. So, and it's just, of course, like everything else he does, unbelievable. But there he's, he's, he's just, he, not just, but he's taking the clarinet line and putting it on the cello. I couldn't do that because there were a lot of sustaining passages that I decided to throw those around so my arrangement is is really chamber music friendly so the cello's just gonna take the line sometime and i'm gonna be, the guitar is playing the piano part so there were, it just kind of i'm super excited about it you know um some things a lot of things had to be messed with but i'm really hoping it gets out there because uh i think it's really a great piece and it has all that leonard bernstein you know Stop that! Yeah, well, it's early. It's very early, but it's enough to know. You know, he sounds a little Hindemith at times, but but it really has these melodies that are so gorgeous. And I don't think there's, I, I'm sure there's play of West Side Story, right? Yeah, but, but there's nothing. I don't think there's much uh, Leonard Burns, right, at least, right. uh, guitar repertoire. Exactly. Out there. Arrangements. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm. I think he would love it. Yeah. You know, that's. I. I, I always felt his spirit. You know. So it's a big endeavor, and I learned a lot about the string quartet. But you know, it's so rewarding for those of you who want to do something like this. You know, you have this idea. I mean, I was at the concert of the American Composers Orchestra, and I heard because someone has has arranged it. I forget who for clarinet and orchestra. So I was at this concert with my wife, and I'm watching this guy. It was last year, last no, a year a year ago this past November. So whatever that is, 17. And I'm sitting in the audience. I'm going like. That's a guitar piece. All these short notes, and I thought, you know, because it's originally for for clarinet and piano. So I worked from the piano, but I was inspired by the orchestra. And then I thought, well, what if I make it for string quartet and guitar? Hmm. Which I was already geared up because Bryce Desner's piece was coming. So I was already in a quartet head, you yeah. know, as it were. 
and I wanted them to, you know, I was thinking maybe we could do it, do it then, but which we couldn't. Yeah, it became this chamber music piece where the sustained lines I put in viola, and it just was such an edifying experience to, you know, to do, and then to actually get in with the quartet and hear, wow, that works. Or, yeah. or, you know, certain things are tough. I mean, the clarinet is a mighty loud instrument. So it's definitely got to be super amplified. Yeah. But, but and, and certain dynamics that would work that are original for the piano are too much. When, you know, like yesterday we had a rehearsal, the street quartet guys are going, Rrr! I said, dudes, you cannot play that loud here. So anyway, so that, that uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, back to the arrangements and just that, so I'm, I'm super excited, yeah. you know, and then I have this high E that I can use at the very end. It makes total sense to have a high E. Well, people think, you know, it cuts down on your tasto here, but it doesn't. Yeah. Right? It doesn't really. And why not? Yeah, why you not? You know? I mean, it drives me nuts that most guitars you can only get to a B. I mean... <laughs> doesn't it? And especially since Barrios oh. has a C, it's like, what are you thinking? Yeah. Why would you? Did he add an extra fret or... Was he I don't know, I'm not a Barrios, but isn't there a Barrios piece with a high C? I'm thinking. Or did he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So he must have. Yeah. Mm. He played on a variety. I My my guess is he played on a few different instruments. You know, yeah. Just, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't. I don't know. I mean, I have this argument. We had our little guitar chat group. I, I, I still think if I was a young guitarist, I would just follow John Dearman's advice and play a seven string guitar. I think seven string is the coolest thing. It's that one extra bass string. It doesn't, most guitar makers like, well, you know, Gary doesn't think it would affect the sound. Yeah. And you have that one extra string and then you have 20, that's that's what I wanted. But it I opens can't, things up so right? much. I think it's like, that's just the one, you know. I don't know why. I don't know why. Seven I, tell every, yeah. I tell every one of my students, you want to you be ahead, do that. I mean, Napoleon Coast. Oh, well, he, he, had, he played yeah. on the eight I or love, nine right? string. Don't you love that? And it makes total sense. I don't know why. Don't he you went love to that sing. picture of him where he's all of his guitars and his little mandolin that he's sitting on the balcony? Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, I'll yeah, it's it. on a lot. It's a famous picture of him. He's got two or three guitars. I mean, you know, we had this long in my chat group, and then, you know, the, the general consensus is look, it's the six strings. We have all this repertoire for six strings, and that's what it is, and that's the best sonic, and I, just, I still think seven strings. Yeah. So you've been a Daedario player for See, a while. Well, yeah, right. but I mean, I have, I, I, you know, they have been kind of family for me, but they, they really figure in huge in terms of my beginning because they really, you know, that whole period of, of Tom Humphrey and, and was, he really introduced me to the Daedarios and they started this guitar series. So they're, they really were the people that had this very, wonderful guitar series that was you know needed in new york at that time and so that's where my wife and i gave our debut i still have the original poster and the whole deal hmm. um and through the years uh yeah we just you know again as part of the the journey of being a guitarist is so many people that you create these wonderful relationships with and along with having great relationships with guitar makers which i did and do now with gary and um you know, marvelous time with Greg Smallman, but he's further away. But, you know, knowing somebody like Gary is so great because now he's building different instruments for me and, and we're, we're exchanging ideas about what we hear and what he hears. And, and But same with the strings. I mean, the D'Addario's have constantly improved and work. I mean, Jim is tireless, you know, over the years of just making a better string. Yeah. Um, so I love the, the, the strings, but I love the people and... You know, you if you take Diderio out of my 
life. That would be terrible, <laughs> you know, because they really there. It's and there are so many people that have helped me, and you know, in, the, in over the years, um, and they definitely have, you know, yeah, and been inspirational too. It's so, so great. Yeah, yeah it's really uh, you've um, formed such a friendship. Yeah, and watch things developed, and you know, get test strings, and like even now they're, they're got this new string. I mean, they were great with me because with the Bryce Desner piece, Bryce wrote this piece that I was telling you about music for high strings, but he wrote it with. A very particular tuning, which is that the first two strings are, well, let's. So the first two strings are what they are. But then these are all up an octave. So G, D, A, E are all up an octave. Oh, okay. It's called, I think it's called. A Nashville tuning, I think. What it is basically is, I think it was, it was started with the recording industry. Guys who were playing in Nashville decided to take that 12-string guitar and they said, well, what if we take out all the bass notes? Oh, I see. So it's a, like yeah. a slightly re-entered tuning. So like your G is, you, is, is, is an octave above. So you're, you're going to have melody notes on your G which, you know, you wouldn't normally, you know, so it's very, to learn Bryce's piece at first was very counterintuitive. Yeah. But the sound is, what, the possibilities sonically? Oh, but the D'Addario's, so, so in other words, so it was, everything's fine. Okay, look, you use a second string for the fourth string, you use a third for the fifth, and a fourth for the sixth. Let me get my calculator. Yeah, right? <laughs> so that's what you do. But then what are you going to do for the third string? Like, you, you want it, you can't. You put a first string on 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 a third string and you tune it up an octave and it just breaks, right? Yeah. So they were very nice and I I had a couple I found a couple of strings you know in my string whatever it is library we have all these old strings that I still never throw out. I said, oh, okay, well, maybe this one works. You know, a couple that that worked, but basically they made some strings for me. So that's the only thing about Bryce's piece I think is going to be challenging for other finding people to the play. strings. Yeah. Or unless you play, well, he did it on his steel string. He said that in the band, they, he uses that guitar a lot for certain yeah. voicings. Anyway, so that's, yeah, that's my string. <laughs> my string and my, you know, national story. <laughs> Very cool. Thank you, Ben, for being on the show. It's so great to have you over these two episodes. Please join me in two weeks for a conversation with Matt Greif of the Los Angeles Guitar Quartet. I've got a sneak peek of the Leonard Bernstein clarinet sonata, which Ben arranged and recorded for solo guitar and string quartet. This is going to be the first movement. I'm David Steinhardt, and we'll see you next time for the Tobey's Classical Guitar Podcast.